Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artist from ScottArtist.com. And I'm Heather Artist from BlackPearlMinute.com. You sound all like, not gruff, I should say. You're just Why would I sound all gruff? like a Disney princess voice there. Why, thank you. It was all soft and smooth. Wow. That is so unlike you. What the hell is going on here? No clue. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. <laughs> no pirate here. There we go. Now we're talking. Thanks for joining us for Minute 33. That's 33 of Dead Man's Chest. Let me get this straight. In the previous minute, Pintel and Rigetti just happened upon the island of Pelagosto, just happened to find the Kareen Black Pearl, and just happened to believe they can pull that ship off the beach, even with the tide coming in. I guess there's Aztec gods after all. Next thing you know, there'll be a cursed gold of Cortez, the legendary Davy Jones, the Fountain of Youth, and Poseidon's Trident. Did I mention this is a pirate movie with cannibals and a terrible beastie? Yes, a pirate movie. Everything you wanted in a pirate movie. <laughs> Minute 33 begins with an ecstatic Pintel and Reggetti running to one of the mooring lines, but stop in their tracks as the Pelagostos drums can be heard from the beach. Reggetti smartly says... And I suppose we best save it as soon as we can, what with our souls in such a vulnerable state and all. Although he really did mumble that a bit more. Yeah, he did. Can you please do it like he did? <laughs> no. <laughs> that's been in a moonstrap bill. That's the only line I can do in Rigetti. And that's not even very good. The minute ends with the crew of the Black Pearl and Will Turner suspended over a deep gorge and round bone cages. Will says to Gibbs, why would he do this to us? If Jack is the chief, Gibbs jumps in. I, the Pelagostos, made Jack their chief, but he stays the chief for only so long as he acts like a chief. Here endeth the minute. Thank you. I don't know about you, but this minute made me a little hungry. I'm Nothing says poor. satisfies like a nice piece of toe meat. <laughs> Gross. Toe meat. It's what's for dinner. <laughs> it, was, it was more like toenail, but... Come on, toenail doesn't work? No. That's disgusting, by the way. By the way, join us for our Tuesday cooking podcast at the table with the daughter party, <laughs> where we discuss how to fillet I that was Tomies. Thursday. No, Thursday is Thursday. Thursday is antique paper making. Oh, okay. And then there was a subline with that a subtitle, something about animals. What's to do with animals, or it, it what's, what's for all the animals? I don't Tuesdays know. Tuesdays are cooking. Class. Tuesdays the cooking one. A class it could be. We could start a class. It's gonna be a little sketchy though, given the menu. <laughs> Somewhere out there, a shrimper is licking his lips, too. Jealous of the delicious long pork Jack is snacking on. Sick. He's got to be out there doing that. No, it's just a toenail. Just a toenail? Yeah, it's not flesh. Come on, it's 
toe meat, as I like to call it. It's a nail. It's not flesh. Did you see the toes of many colors? Jack's necklace. (laughs) It's like a toes of many color necklace, I should say. Sorry to say, but these cannibals are into diversity. They do not discriminate on the people they eat. And I like that. He was very grateful for his toe necklace. Who wouldn't be grateful for a toe necklace? <laughs> I have no clue. I have a couple myself, and I'm damn proud of on them. On top of it, you know the toe he's munching on? <laughs> no, he's did you, munching on did it. You check out, did you check out the nail on this toe? It was like infested or something. It was, it was nasty looking. Oh, come on. What do you think? Pirate toes looked good back then? Let's be <laughs> honest about ourselves here. They didn't get pedicures? No. Are you sure? I think toes were the last thing on those scurvy-ridden bodies that they were taking care of. <laughs> Do you see their teeth? Teeth are important. Toes, you got, well, they're covered a lot of the times. So if you can't take care of the teeth, what makes you think they care about the toes? I don't know. Yeah, that's brutal. It's pretty nasty. I know, but I, like I said, the, the colors, all the range of colors, the ethnicities with these toes, it just shows me how adept they are, A, at catching food, but it's always nice catching to show food. <laughs> Native Caribbean cannibals in a good light. Sure, they might eat people, but look, they're good hunters and they don't discriminate. <laughs> what do you call it? Catching food for a cannibal. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Hunting humans? Come on. That just sounds so cannibal. <laughs> just wrong. They're out hunting for food. God. That's just wrong. Huh, it's all going over my head. But then again, I'm the one with the toad necklace uh... and hosting a podcast about the Donner Party. Cooking class, actually. By the code of the pirate brethren, I do have to point out a callback to Curse of the Black Pearl. Happened here. Did you see it? Oh, no. Of course you didn't. It's like uh, Stevie Wonder over there watching this. Although maybe that was a little insensitive of me. Yeah. Sorry. Ronnie Millsap. I meant Ronnie Millsap. Sorry about that. Rigetti climbing the mooring line was reminiscent of the skeleton crew taking... Oh, yeah. You're right. They were making a dauntless sneak attack. You're right. Yeah. Right? Yep. skimmies on up that rope just like those skeletons did under the water wasn't he one of the skeletons that did that underwater yeah yeah there's a bunch of them though you and your technicals very technical over there i want to know that now that now that they hear the drums they're trying to get off this island sooner rather than later but they're both climbing the mooring lines the pearl is still beached i don't think they're both climbing them I think only Rigetti was climbing uh, the mooring line. Pintel was. I thought Pintel was getting ready to climb one. I don't know. Do you really see Pintel climbing a mooring line? Does How he else look, is he going to get up does there? Does he look agile enough to climb the mooring line? How else would he get up there? Okay, I'm saying yes, I understand. But I don't think we saw him climbing. I think we just saw Rigetti climbing it up. I thought he was going to the other rope to go. I think he was he started preparing, towards the other rope. preparing the Black Pearl for the unbeaching. Oh, okay. If that's a word. Because I thought he was going to the other rope to go start shimmying. He just doesn't look like a, a shimmier, shimmier aim guy. Does he? He'd have to. He's a okay, pirate. Okay, I get what you're saying. But does he look like the shimmy type? No. Okay, that's all I'm saying. And not all pirates he, are shimmy men. Do you have... picture Barbosa shimmying up a... No, because Barbosa just directs. He's the manager. I think we're going down a road boss. that I will not be able to pull myself out of. <laughs> a road or a hole because I have problems with idioms and phrases these days. <laughs> You've completely just completely just My mind is is basically mush. It's like I've been living with radiation for so long. Anyway, so my idea was they were both getting up onto the boat to Ship. 
<laughs> to to get it off the land to go sail it away. Quickly get off the land so that the Pelagostos don't come get them. Yeah. Right? But if they're both loading onto the boat, how are they going to get this thing off land? That's because they didn't both get on the ship. Pentel okay. didn't do that. Okay. Let's say Pentel's staying on the ground to get it off the land. How's Pentel going to pull this Guy's thing on strong. himself? He's <laughs> he's like a shorter, muscular, scrappy guy. And he's just going to manhandle that ship right off he's the beach. He's going to pull that ship right off they the They have beach? to prepare and get up there and check things out. And then Pentel will probably get back down and they'll see what they can do. I have no idea what's really going to happen with that. <laughs> okay. But if they think they're both just going to hang out up there and go, I'm crossing my fingers, this guy takes that float. The, that the water comes in far Yeah. Enough? I'm hoping for a tidal wave here. Really could use a tidal wave. A tidal surge, by the way. That way that it just lifts the boat. Yes. Because it's not it a boat, it's a be. ship. Right back out to sea. Today is another day of Heather's favorite list. So really, this is code word for your butterfly mind. Yeah. Okay. Butterfly Jack's, effect it is. Jack's eyes. Yeah, all his eyes. All his eyes. Particularly the one on his eyelids. These guys trip me out. Because it actually looks like he's looking at things with these eyes. Yeah, I. they don't look real. But for some reason, I get caught looking at him like they're his real freaking eyes. Yeah. They kind of... When he's looking at the toe, it looks like he's using those to look at the toe. Yeah, because he's looking down and his eyelids are closed mostly. So the way it looks... It looks like he's using those as his freaking eyes. Yeah. And he's got humongous eyelashes. Guy's got some nice eyelashes. I wish I had them. I didn't know. But any he, he does. And so it it kind of makes it look like his eyes are completely closed, his real eyes. And so it totally throws you off with these these fake guys painted on his eyelids. I agree. I think that they're they trip me out. Me I too. don't know why that is, because I know that they're fake, but I still get caught going, Oh wait, those aren't his real eyes. It's like I'm almost not quite paying attention enough that I'm just glancing at it and looking at it that I go, oh, oh, wait, wait a second. Yeah, those are his fake painted eyes. Yes. Butterfly effect number two. Shiver me timbers. We forgot something at the beginning of this minute. It is Monday. Oh, it is Monday. Pirate (laughs) word of the freaking week. Pirate word of the week. (laughs) I forgot about it. I know. Damn it. I just glanced at my notes and I'm all, oh. It's this new freaking schedule. It's and all... it's gotten me all discombobulated. It's ridiculous. Should we do it after? Or do you want to break now? Okay, we already stopped. We might as well do it now since we've halted the show for yes. it. Okay, pirate word of the week. Quite... Hey, Heather. It's Monday. <laughs> What's the pirate word of the week? <laughs> Quite a time since I clapped eyes on you. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. Since I've seen you, I guess. Since I've seen you. Been I a like long it. time since I saw you. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. Especially appropriate for this minute with all of Jack's eyes. You got that right, buddy. You are a master weaver of the pirate word of the week in with the actual subject matter of the minute that we're watching. Sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, there's been some real choice ones out there. Anyways, go ahead. (laughs) That's it. Now we were saying, so those are your butterfly effects of the, you had it. Yeah, we'll wait till we get to the cage. Okay. So it's not really a list. Why would you present it as a list then if we were... Because I had given you one thing and then another but thing. But we were still talking and then about another thing. Jack yeah. Sparrow and yeah, you could have I... said the toe biting. I mean, that would have just flowed right in. But I kind of gave you three different things in a row and so I wanted to... Okay. Yeah. 
Speaking of bone cages, Heather, thanks for that throwing me a bone transition. (laughs) Did that sound like a canned response? Yes. We can always rely on Gibbs to give us the details. The sea turtle details, I should say. (laughs) On everything happening in the franchise, this film franchise. I've seen it listed somewhere and I don't really remember where right now, but he's referenced as Exposition Gibbs. Oh, really? Because he's Mr. Exposition. It's the Mr. Exposition trope. And according to... Well, I should say this first. This minute is all about tropes because I have more than just a Mr. Exposition trope. In all the movies, he has this general pirate knowledge. And he's really quick to fill in the gaps for the audience. We've seen it in Curse of the Black Pearl a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's never really explained how he comes across all these tidbits. But he does give us the lowdown usually in the film franchise on something. But I actually don't mind though. Unlike, say, some movie aficionados who don't like the exposition and actors who don't like it. Yeah. I think he delivers his lines with like this crusty 18th century gusto that I can't help but think of him as a freaking real pirate. Yeah. He's a real sailor to me. He is. I almost can't even picture him as Kevin McNally, a regular dude of this year, of the 2000s. Right. He just seems like he was born in the wrong time. He was born to be pirate. Thank you. Born to be pirate. I wish I could come up with a tune to that right now, but (laughs) I freaking can't. I tried and I'm sitting here. I'm looking around like the shifty eyes. I can't come up with the tune for that. Born to be. There we go. There you go. Okay. That was pretty sad. But his stories, because if we can get away from the born to be pirate wild, his stories are always so compelling. It's like I want to kick back with a glass of wine and listen to Gibbs ramble on. <laughs> Am I the only w- one? Wine or rum? Wine, because I'm grog. highfalutin oh. today. Grog most every other day. Well, let me, okay, let me step back. Grog and rum, those are just beverages throughout the day to keep you hydrated. The wine is what you sit back with and relax. Oh, I get it now. But Gibbs, he's captivating. He always has these intricate, like, concentrated facial expressions, too. It's like he's really studying and looking at things. Yeah. I don't know, that guy, he just blows me away. He'd be a great narrator. Almost like a Princess Bride scenario with voiceovers. Mm. Not that I would suggest replacing Peter Falk. Ain't gonna happen. Columbo rules the world. That he does. I haven't watched good Columbo in a while. Oh, we should go through him again. Yeah, we should. Yep, a couple of, say, youngsters, fairly youngsters, who really like to go back. It's like our hearts are, we're like old souls. (laughs) Oh, honey, it's Friday night. Let's kick back with some Columbo and Murder, she wrote. <laughs> let's throw in wait, a... Wait, 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 Let's throw in... What is that Andy Griffith one? We haven't done Murder, <laughs> she wrote. What's that Andy Griffith show? Where he's like a... A cop or something like Andy that? Andy Griffith cop. Come on, get out of here. That's Andy no, Griffith No, he's show. a... That Andy Griffith... Matlock. Yeah. We can make a night of it. Cop detective. We can make a night of it. Matlock, murder she wrote, and throw in some Columbo. Nothing says we're party animals like kicking back (laughs) on a Friday night showing our really grandparent age here. Okay, you're right. We never watch Murder She Wrote or Matlock. I want to set the record straight. I don't want those rumors getting out that we sit back and (laughs) relax with Murder She Wrote. But Columbo's uh, awesome. Yeah, Columbo. Columbo is awesome. Uh, just one more and thing. And Andy Griffith show is awesome. Andy Griffith show is awesome. But what I was saying is, should we should you know if there was like a similar need of a Princess Bride moment, Gibbs or Kevin McNally really should throw his hat in the ring for that. Yeah, he'd I be agree. good at that. According to TV Tropes, Mister Exposition is a character whose purpose is to provide info dumps and explain the plot. Ostensibly, this is for the benefit of the protagonist. 
But most of the time, their real reason for existing is to provide that information, that exposition to the audience. Just like we're getting here. He's filling in what's going on with the Pelagosto and why Jack is chief kind of deal. Right. And this is why they spend so much time explaining things the protagonist already knows. It's popular in this idea of science is bad stories where you can bet the mad scientist or supervillain in charge will have a tape recorder with them at all times and that he's always dictating his progress to. Or like a James Bond thing or even like it reminds me of an Austin Powers. He makes fun of this a lot. Scott, you know, Dr. Evil's son, is all pissed off that Dr. Evil just won't shoot Austin Powers, but instead reveals a secret plan and then uses like a slow, oh, this ain't going to work, way to die, instead of just shooting him right on the spot. He's like, I'm going to go back and I'll get a gun and we can blast him. Yeah. No, Dr. Evil, is it too freaking hard to have sharks with laser beams? (laughs) That's what he wants. And that's James Bond. There you go. But hey, who doesn't love James Bond? So that's all I'm saying. Mr. Exposition gives. That's what he does. But he's good at it. Yeah, he and is. And I don't have a problem with that. And I did tease the bone cage. I was going to suggest that the crew could, and this is not the crew of the movie, but the actual Black Pearl crew, Jack's crew, could easily escape through the holes in the cage. But it's like Alcatraz. It's not the prison itself. It's the location that's the deterrent. Yeah, that's a long drop if you climb out of that sucker. Yeah, because they might be able to get out of the cage, but where the hell are they going to go? Exactly. Shimmy, shimmy up the rope. I was going to say Pentel style. <laughs> How dare you? I mean, now you think they can all shimmy, but though these guys can't shimmy, Pentel can shimmy, but said, these guys can't shimmy? How dare you? I was going to say, they can shimmy up the rope. That's not going to happen. Now, all of a sudden, well, Pentel can shimmy. And then all these guys can shimmy. I don't see that. That's not happening. No? no. Why? Because when you take the pirate test, shimmy is not one of the things that's really there. Oh. Here's a big question, though. Okay. Would you rather? Okay, it's a would you rather. <laughs> I, oh, God, it's a hypothetical. So I know that this yeah, really this treads on technicalities and very difficult for you. It's like you almost have to put your self aside and think as somebody else. Would you rather jump out of the bone cage and plummet to your death, or would you prefer to go out Pelagosto long pork style? Falling or dinner? Or maybe I should say someone else's dinner. What is your choice? It's a rough one, because if I fall and I don't die, I'm in big trouble. You're not you're gonna live through this fall. Maybe. So you're gonna be that cliche, I'm gonna fall out and I'm gonna hit a nice soft palm tree top and then tumble down through the canopy and then land softly on the it's very, Jungle floor it's below. very plausible. Fall or eaten? That's Fall. your choice. Fall. I don't want to become food. I think I'm jumping out too. The risk is, do you try and escape when you're with the Pelagostos knowing that you're going to the cauldron, the cooking pot there? If it's even possible. Or do you just base jump from the cage without your chute and get it over quickly? Thinking you head dive off that yeah. thing. Gotta do that. Yeah. You gotta make sure you, you toast that. Not just like, I'm gonna try and land on my feet. I'm going to cross my fingers. No, I think you got to go head first. You got to get a in Yeah, because if you break something. Well, I know you're Superman you that thinks you're getting a small abrasion on the way down. But how high they are, not going to happen. What if it's water below? It's no water below. Oh, okay. How dare you? How dare you try to hypothetical this right out of existence? I'm going to shimmy up the rope. You're not shimmying up the rope. Go jump on. Trust me. If your life was in danger, you couldn't shimmy up that rope. I'm going to go shimmy up the rope and meet Pintel, Pintel and Morgetti. You're not going to be able to do that. Plus, Pintel is still waiting on the beach. He's like, God, I hope I can get on this ship. <laughs> okay, what did you have about Bone Cage since we're there? 
The bone cages were made of styrofoam or steel. Styrofoam or steel or styrofoam and steel? Or steel. I don't know what that means. Depending on the uh, scene. Oh, depending on the scene. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when they're actually dangling there, you got to have steel. Yeah. You don't want styrofoam. Wait a second. (laughs) Cut. We put the styrofoam one up there. Oh, my God. And there. Oh, my God. There go all the actors. (laughs) Casting. (laughs) Got to bring in a whole new crew. We need some Will Turner lookalikes here. Pronto. Oh, speaking of that, you know, McNally normally has a stunt double. Yeah. Well, his stunt double didn't look close enough to him to be in the bone cage. Oh, from the shot? Okay. Yeah. And so he actually had to do the stunts for the bone cage. Yeah, but how far up were they really? Oh, I don't know. I mean, are we talking really dangling or are we talking they're like four feet off the ground? And he's like, hey, I need a stunt double here. No. Hey, well, a crane, I can do four feet off the ground. A crane was holding it up. Oh, was it? Yeah. To really get that shot where it was high up? Yeah. Huh. So. So. But he. Tens of feet off the ground. Yeah. Not yeah. hundreds or yeah. like they are here. But right. also not just single digits. Right. Okay. To, you know, it, he would normally have a stunt double do it. But because the stunt double, they were getting close ups of, yeah. of McNally here. They couldn't have that stump double because he didn't look close enough to him. That makes sense. Yeah. You don't want to give it away too much when you're doing that. No. That's my facts on bone cages. That's your bone cage of the day facts? Yep. According to TV Tropes, because I don't have a transition, except that we're doing more tropes here. Like I said, I promised more tropes. Here we are. The jungle drum trope. I know it's a discredited trope, they say, but it has the these like origins of the deepest, darkest Africa plot. Generally describing the moment before the natives, that classic Hollywood natives, these stereotypical natives, we should say. Yeah. Sure, we all know the type. Okay, maybe I shouldn't say we know the type because that's maybe wrong to say. (laughs) We've all seen them in the movies of yesteryear or these bordering on sarcasm and humor movies of today. Anyways, the deepest, darkest Africa idea is when... You guessed it kind of thing. As natives rise up and overrun the compound or abduct the white woman for sacrifice. Hey, I think we all know. Natives got a hankering for sacrificial white women. That's just <laughs> what Hollywood has taught me over the years. It's very true. I'm wondering if so there's something to lo- that, though. very large apes. Yeah, apes have that, too. Hmm. Yeah, I do wonder if there's something to that. Maybe I'll have to think about sacrificing Most of the time women. they're blonde, also. That's true, too. Yeah. Luckily, I'm not blonde. Blonde woman being sacrificed. Hmm. Back to Hollywood, it's often indicated by the natives playing jungle drums. These natives got to go out and get them some whitey women. Yes, jungle drums is the the key there. So those spooky drums that echo through the jungle and send shivers down the spine of white dude explorers or the whiteys on a mission of manifest destiny where the Native American drums sound out across the plains. You know, the it's scalping time kind yeah. of music. Just an example. Not that I think American Indians were all about scalping. Not that I don't think some people deserve a scalping, though. I'm just saying. So my official stance, let's just get this for the record. Is American Indian stereotypes bad? Mmm, bad. Okay, then maybe that was poor poor taste. But scalping of certain people is good. I think that's my official stance. Does that make sense? Yes. Some people deserve a scalping. That's true. Cultural sensitivity is what we're all about here on the the parts of the Caribbean Minute and the Black Pearl Show. We mean no offense. Yeah. Not necessarily a cultural appropriation. I don't want to steal scalpings from Native Americans. Unless I really need to scalp somebody, then I think I'll appropriate. 
kind of a eh, maybe we shouldn't dabble in stereotypes here. Bad juju. I hear HR calling right now too. Back to the point though. Before I got sidetracked with uh, your blatant scalping racism over there. Okay. The natives are restless. No, this isn't another. Okay, I'm not being stereotypical here. This is said to go back to the 1933 film Island of Lost Souls. This idea of island or natives are restless, jungle drums. Yeah. It's another kind of trope. They're all interwoven here. In which Dr. Moreau says that the natives are restless of his half-human, half-beast creations. And since this movie, it becomes kind of a stock phrase for trouble brewing in a group of people. Hmm. I think we've all kind of said it or heard it at some point. Often a prelude to being chased by... You guessed it, angry freaking natives. Nothing says chasing some white men than uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Steven Spielberg, how dare you? Or dare I say, dead man's chest, if I can get a look into the future. What? That was just a potential. I was looking at the crystal ball. TV tropes also, because getting back to TV tropes, also links this idea of natives and the natives are restless to... Well, also, they link it with white villagers, because, you know, white villagers always have an issue. Taking up torches and pitchforks when they get restless, enough to form a mob. Like, uh... Well, nothing says you found yourself in a freaking Universal Monster movie then! Torches and pitchforks. Or maybe a Mel Brooks flick. Yeah, like Frankenstein. That's right. If you see uh, Frankenstein's monster running around, you know that there's going to be an angry mob of villagers coming after you. Of course, this is linked to the Hollywood native trope, hopefully... Now discredited stereotypical depiction of natives in a hungry jungle. Because, hey, I'm in a jungle and I'm hungry like some toe meat. (laughs) Deserted island is another one or other such unsettled wilderness. The locals will inevitably be portrayed as culturally inferior to the main characters. And this is not me speaking. This is the trope. This is the cliche that's happened in Hollywood that is now kind of defunct to a point. It's the typical depictions We'll show the natives as kind of unkempt or dark-skinned and scantily clad, decorated with tribal face paint and savage piercings and brandishing spears and bows. Then when they meet the protagonist, they will either be mesmerized by the Mighty Whitey, as they call it, and accept them as gods. And I didn't use Mighty Whitey. That was from part of this cliche that's been used and documented. Historical. This is science, people. Cultural science. History. They have the heroes for lunch. Or invite them to be guests of the Volcano God. Hey, come check out our cool volcano. By the way, do you have blonde hair, madam? (laughs) Does that sound familiar? Mighty Whitey Jack, piercings, face paint, drums, angry natives, some cannibal stew. The Mighty Whitey trope. Come on. I mean, I really want to make that the title of this episode, but my, (laughs) this could be construed so wrongly antenna went up. Yeah. iTunes may completely get the wrong impression of our show and ban us from the platform. We wouldn't want that. Or even worse, one day I'll be in an interview and a hiring manager will say, Hey, saw you had a podcast called Mighty Whitey. We don't serve your kind here, sir. <laughs> I'm like, no! That was just an episode I was really pointed off. And then, then the door slams shut. Best not to tread on that Yeah, probably not. Thing. Especially as a white person and to have a podcast that's an episode called Mighty Whitey. You're white? Uh, I know I'm really, really tan because I... Yeah, people have likened me to, I can't think of his name, freaking A. Can't think of his name right now. George, it's that tan guy. God dang it. I can't think of it. I've completely lost. My fair-skinned companion, what is his name? George, shoot, well. I thought you were going to say an albino, but. Now see, 
I don't tread in those kinds of just demeaning marks over there. That's like not you. demeaning. I think you're calling me an albino and I don't like it. I'm fair. You said lichen jutsu. Complected. George, what is his name? The tan man. George Hamilton. Oh, yes, I really George wish Hamilton. I could take credit for remembering that, but my memory failed me and Heather actually had to look it up. And then she was so kind and gracious, unlike I would be. She was actually going to play it off, but I admitted that <laughs> I actually forgot something. Because that shows just how human I really am. As, a, as an android, I strive to be more human every day. <laughs> but that's all I got for this minute. You know, TV tropes, toe meat, uh, that wraps it up for me. <laughs> toe meat. Toenails. Toenails. Nasty toenails. Nasty toenails. So you have anything else? That's it for me. Okay. I guess we'll be back on Wednesday with Minute 34 of Dead Man's Chest. Till then, Scallywags, let's keep the horn swoggling and toe meat eating to a minimum. Is it too much to ask? Just don't eat a bunch of toes. That's it. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, Scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bildrats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest, well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.